I've been asked to talk about some things today, and it's more of a presentation um, than it is a sermon. We're not saying, oh, look at us. We, look at all that we're doing. We're so good. You know, that's not what we're doing here. We're informing you about the major outreaches, the major things we do around the world, the major things we've done in the last year, and a lot of things that we've done going back through the years. You're going to get a lot of statistics. Um, You're going to see some slides. Now, everything I say is not on every slide, all right? Otherwise, it would be just so many slides, but we have it on the screens what I'm saying, 75% of what I'm saying, just to reinforce, because you're going to be hearing numbers and things that you do that you have done. This is about what you have done. This is about what the congregation has done. Not what the Hammonds have done, not what Mac or Lynn have done, but what you have done. We'll start with outreach towards the city, but before that, I wanted to put some word in here, um, give you some verses. Jeremiah 1.7 in the ESV, do not say, I am only a youth for for all to whom I send you, You shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. So it's telling you to go out. Romans 14, 10, New Testament. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? They've got to hear. You get it done through outreach. They hear through the church doing things in the community. That's what we're talking about. And even though we're talking about an end times where, uh, where Jesus is talking to his brethren, the Jews, in Matthew 25, about what they're going to go through. This is not for us. He's talking to the Jews. I mean, we'll see some of these signs. There is an outreach um, uh, strain in there. That's all he's talking about. If you look at the words, Matthew 25, 35, I was hungry, you gave me food. That has to do with outreach. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You brought me together with yourselves, welcomed and entertained and lodged me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. With help and ministering care was in prison. You came to see me. Then the just and upright will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcomed and entertained you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and came to visit you? The king will reply to them, truly I tell you, and so far as you did it for one of the least in the estimation of men, of these brethren, he's talking about his brethren, the Jews, but look at all, it's all about reaching out to other people, correct? In this end times chapter, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power When the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. We're talking about Minneapolis. (laughs) Is our Jerusalem in a sense? And so through the years, we're talking about local outreach. We've distributed. You have distributed 54,100 plus toys to kids in our community for share Christmas since 2015. That's over a million dollars worth of toys that you have given out, given to families in the last five years. You've distributed, third, or, and since 1996, over 30,500 Thanksgiving baskets of blessing, turkeys and dinners, 30,000 
500, over $610,000 worth of Thanksgiving dinners you have, de- you have packed and delivered on Thanksgiving Day, provided school supplies and assistance for Crestview Elementary in Brooklyn Park. There's a lot of underprivileged children there. We have worked, you have worked with that school for 25 years. You've supplied backpacks, you've supplied free lunches, you've supplied over $250,000 worth of things to those children right over here in your local community. You've served approximately 72,000 plus meals to those in need since 1999. Helped pack, that was served, this is just help pack, that's half of it. Approximately 150,000 plus meals for those in need since just in the last three years. Um, Distributed approximately 58,000 boxes of food since 1999. Distributed approximately 60,000 articles of clothing since 99. Served in approximately 5,000 plus outreaches in our community since 1996. Prayed with and this is a lot of our evangelism department, uh, 1,629,381 plus people to be born again since 1996. So if you believe Roman 10, Romans 10, 9, and 2, 10, 10, 9, and 10, where they say the prayer, right? They confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what that's talking about. Since COVID hit in March 2020, we've collected over 21,500 pounds of food and personal care items during drive-through food drives and uh, donation bins. Provided 1,000 protective face masks for our medical community. Delivered 1,200 meals to the Alina Health EMS Hub to serve the EMS professionals. Transported over 212,000 pounds of food to those in need in our community. Distributed over 8,000 boxes of food or personal care items to schools, organizations, and those in need in our community. Delivered over 1,250 meals to those in need immediately after the Minneapolis riots. Right down on ground zero, we had 1,200, you had 1,250 meals down there. Um, reacted quickly, immediately had cleanup crews in Minneapolis and those areas affected by the riots, donated $15,000 to support monthly food shelves in Minneapolis called Beacon, Beacon of Hope and Camden Promise. We have ongoing outreaches with Good in the Hood who utilize your church facility and equipment here at Living Word to pack and distribute all the food that they deliver throughout the Twin Cities. We do have a food donation box located outside in the main lobby doors, so you can drop off your non-perishable food donations at any time. Those dis- supplies are constantly distributed. And so that's the outreach, the local outreach, the Jerusalem end, right? Uh, Mark 16, 15, he said, go, go said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. You have a missions department. It's taken 232 national and international trips to 85 different countries since 1986. That's an average of six trips a year. Just on those trips with those Living Word teams and members, 261,244 salvations. Can we have our missions pastor stand up, Kent? Right? Is 25,000 people filled with the Holy Spirit and 2,472 healings and miracles since 1996. 
You give to missionaries all around the world that you don't even know about. $62,350 last year alone to Manny and Sonia Gutierrez in Peru, Danny and Stephanie Gutierrez in Peru, Leanne Risk in Mexico, Alana Selvig in Peru, Lillian Rude in the condo, Congo, and Marie Helene is a pastor of a church that you help support in France. You say, why France? Because it is one of the most humanistic countries in the world. 99% of that population in France does not believe in God. They are atheists. All right, if you're a non-denominational church over there, you are not legal to own property, but because of your support, she has, that pastor over there has property. She has a building that's unheard of with non-denominational churches. It is a very violent place. It's a very rough place. There was a church in her very city where someone came into their service and decapitated, not her service, another small church, decapitated. Okay, one of the ministers on the stage, this is two weeks ago, all right, and this is what you have supported, you have brought this church along for probably more than 15 years, all right, and so um, the Dominican Republic, uh, your, your Spanish church, right over here, you have a Spanish church, right, they're part of you, okay, sometimes you'll see them up here in the services, but they have their own services. They planted a church in the Dominican Republic. That means you planted a church in the Dominican Republic because in order to launch the Spanish church, you had to give the money to launch the Spanish church. Do you understand? All right, so you planted this church. Can we show the pictures? Okay, so that, that is the church in Dominican Republic. Now we move on. Yes, thank you, Living Word. To Singapore. We haven't talked about that in some time. Uh, I sent a picture of this guy this morning. His name is Pastor Solomon Joseph. They probably, that's him in the center of that picture. Um, He is located in Singapore with a ministry called Asia Evangelistic Association. He is a personal friend of mine. I graduated Rhema Bible Training School with him in um, 2005 in Singapore. And so he has a ministry. There are 300,000 male Indian from India migrant workers in Singapore. They come to Singapore to, uh, and send money back home to, from their, to their destitute families in their destitute villages in Singapore, and they come to Singapore to work sometimes for 10 years. They do not see their family, okay? He has, this man is an apostle, and he has started, planted over 200 churches in the male, it's all males, 300,000 male Indians living in one area in Singapore. That's all I can say about that because we're on the internet. He, you support them. He's, he's an apostle. He's planted over 200 churches for these, for these men. And you've given him personally because he takes no money. He basically lives in poverty. You've given him over $75,000 since 2005 personally because everything he gets goes into his ministry, all right? He lives in poverty. He has children. So you usually send him about $2,000 right before Christmas, and I have to beg him to take it and give him financial bumps through the seat through the year just so he can continue this ministry. So you, 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 you support he and his family personally just with a, that little bit. It doesn't seem like much money since 2005, $75,000, but you would be surprised that little bit, what that does, you know, $5,000, $4,000, $3,000, what it does for him personally. He and his wife, they're older, all right, and he probably works 10 hours a day. Um, he's given his life to the ministry. Also in, in, in Indonesia, you have since 2005, 
you have given over $300,000 in support and church building um, to an island called Batam, Indonesia. Also, many, many medical trips into Jakarta. Now, you, how, do I, how, do I, how do I go with this here? Um, the first church we built over there, and all this connection is, is from James Tan. He got all this going. I met James Tan at, in 2005 over there. He took me to Singapore. It's hard to picture now, but at that time, James Tan was riding around on a moped in the rain going to jungle churches with an umbrella while he's on the moped. All right, and I know that's hard to picture, but he knows that island like the back of his hand. And so this all happened. Um, how this happened, can we just go with that first picture of that, that church? This is the second church you built. It's in the most intense Muslim village on that island. Um, there is a school there that trains children to become very bad people, and they don't hide that fact in this very village. Is the picture up there? And so this, this little, looks a little bit more rustic. This was early. Um, if, if we could go to the ne- that church is still standing, that church is still pastored by the son of the man that you were supporting. Okay, by the way, at one time you were supporting six Indonesian pastors like this. Okay, built five different churches. All right, four, four of the six were women, which is interesting. Four of the six were women, which is unheard of in this country. All right, this is the culmination. You built a, this is a $350,000 structure. If you built this in Maple Grove right, right now, it would cost $350,000. You built it for $80,000 because that's the, that's the change over the money rate, right? Everything's cheaper over there. And it's just a huge church. I've shown this to you before, all right? Can we get the first, the, the next picture of, of another church? Um, the first, see the little building on the right? That's the first church you ever built, Living Word. And actually, that, that village was empty, and they, that was their original church, and Living Word members built that with Indonesian villagers. Um, it cost about $3,000 to build. It's all wood, all right? And notice, two years later, you built a structure right next to them. You built them another church. They now use that for children's church, all right? So that church is still standing. Those pastors are still there, all right? And um, I think... If we got another shot of that, yeah, there's the, it's just that village um, is, has grown up now. Um, so I've got a video I want to show you. Listen carefully. I made this video last time I was over there about a year ago, and I had you in mind when we made this video to update you for something like this. So let's play that first video. Uh, I'm with uh, Pastor Rampini someone who we've worked with for many, many years. Um, and I'm so excited to be back here after a few years in Batam, Indonesia. Uh, this is the church that you built for 80,000 US dollars about seven years ago. It was finished and dedicated, Mamre Church in Batam, Indonesia. And so this is Pastor Rampini. She has taken that vision once you built the church, she was able to start a school, which we're going to show you more of. Uh, this is a woman of true vision, a woman of God that God has used to change the lives of thousands of people um, in these villages here in Batam. Thank you. Mm. So, you know, James Tan once told me when we we're supporting these pastors, he's like, you know, you can't support them forever. 
And I said, why? Why can't we just keep supporting them? He said, because if your money ever goes away, they'll never be able to support themselves. So you're supporting these pastors believing that someday they can sustain themselves through their own faith on their own in case your money ever goes away, they don't fall apart. Well, this is what happened with this woman. She's very organized. She's got all kinds of praise and worship leaders. She's got multiple preachers. She is a preacher herself. Multiple cell groups in these villages. Her church is about 300, 300 people strong. She's got 150 um, Christian school kids in a licensed Christian school in the biggest Muslim country in the world because of what you built her. Do you understand? Because here's the thing. She took that church, and this is what she did with it. If we could just go to the second video. living word, this is the school. Um, we did not build the school. She built the school. Uh, she took what, what the success she had from the church and actually turned into some, turned it into something. She's a woman of vision, all right? And I, the goal is the foundation, enough foundation has been set for on both of these buildings to have three stories. You have three stories, you have, she could double the number of kids uh, that are attending her Christian school. As you can see, this building here is two stories. That could be three. And so I'm just letting you guys know uh, just the goal. Um, the goal is that nothing that be, do, has to be done now. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to bring this back and say, because living more of your giving, these kids' lives that are being changed in here, your giving takes that into eternity. You understand? You're saving children through your giving just for this church. You've saved children, and we're looking to save more. All right? More in the future. Thank you so much. We are not asking for donations for that school today, okay? I'm just saying, I'm, I'm letting you know um, the progress that's been made, the next goal. She could double the number of kids in that school from 150 to 300 if she can do that. And that is, that is the vision. If, if we can ever get back there, I'm, you know, I would like to travel there. I was there a year ago. We did that video. Um, just quickly, I'm running out of time. I have 45 seconds left. You, you give, last year alone, you gave $122,000 to American Friends of Ariel, um, to Israel Layad, and to CUFI. This is all concerning Israel. Uh, last night I had support scriptures for this. Also, just in closing, you support many, many other mini ministries and missionaries. Last year alone, you spent $461,000 supporting the, fi the, the, the following ministries and the different things that they do. Caminetti Ministries, Rama. Those are, they, they lead a Rama Australia. They are training people to be missionaries in Australia, okay? Dennis Burke Ministries, Janet Boynes Ministries, Jerry Savelle Ministries, Kenneth Copeland Ministries, Kenneth Hagen Ministries, Kevin and Susan Fletcher, they, again, directors of Rama England, right? Into Scotland and Ireland, direct, Rama directors. These are missionaries. Dina Malkovich, um, uh, he's, 
uh, a Belarus, a church in Belarus you support. Beacon of Hope, it's a church in Minneapolis. We give mo- you give money to. You give money to regularly the Robbinsdale Women's Center. All right? And so we just wanted to cover all these things and just really update you because we do not do it enough. And remember, these are just general things, general things. There's so many little other little things going on at Living Word. And I'll just go ahead and close by saying, I just, you know, you guys believe in the prayer of agreement, correct? Okay, so, um, well, can we agree that by the end of the service that my beard will be the same lush, beautiful, silky brown color as my father's beard. Can we agree in prayer on that? Because I just, I just can't, can't quite understand that being that I'm 53 and he's 25 years older and he, what a beard dad. That is amazing that you've got no gray hair and your son has just gray, right? Must be the stress, right? Okay. Thank you. Well, it's just a commentary on my great faith. That's all, you know. So, well, um, thank you. That's that's an awesome thing for us to know and to understand. And you know, let's put this all back with in our thinking within the framework of what God told us to focus on for this vision year, 2021, and that's relationships. Everything God does in your life and mine, He does through other people. I mean, you know, I can't remember the last time somebody told me that God dropped a bag of coins out of heaven on their head or appeared in a little puffy cloud and told them what to do here or there. He deals with people. He comes through people that you are in proper relationship to. And so this stewardship series is focused on these relationships, beginning in order of importance in terms of uh, priorities the Bible tells us to give, under your relationship with God, of course. And that would be family first. And, you know, we spent the first Sunday talking about family relationships, how we as a church can invest to support the cultivation of good relationships and families. And then the second Sunday... Last Sunday, Jamie and I uh, brought it to the church family, which is the second pri- uh, priority after your individual family. It's, it's your church, the place in the body of Christ that's pleased God to put you. And he's putting you there so the kinds of relationships can be formed that will enable him to take you as high as he plans to take you. And will enable, uh, through you, uh, take other people as high as he plans to take them. But we have to understand how that process occurs and the importance of such things as serving one another, service in the body. And this Sunday, you know, we go to the third level of relationships, which is with the unbelieving world around us. How are we to relate to them? We know what the goal is, you know, to get as much of that world uh, into the body of Christ as we can, get as many of them saved as we possibly can. But that's going to depend on how you cultivate your relationships with them. 
And here it's probably important that I take just a moment to say that this isn't suggesting you have to form close friendships with people that are unsaved. The opposite is true. The Word of God says, what fellowship is light with darkness, a believer with the unbeliever, the answer is none. The key in understanding this is that the Greek word for fellowship uh, literally means a sharing of heart. You are not to engage in the kind of closeness on a heart level with an unbeliever that you do with a believer. But it doesn't mean you shun the unbelieving world. You're sent to it. And so we have to proactively cultivate relationships with unbelievers that will enable God to bring them uh, knowledge of Him through that relationship with you. And, And you do this while you refuse to engage on a heart level, meaning where they now have the ability to influence you with their secular worldly paradigms of life and thoughts and ideas. You get too close to an unbeliever, it will infect you. And that's the principle of the word. Unholiness is infectious. Holiness is not. And that's not a religious term. It simply means someone who is connected to God or separated from God. Unholiness is infectious, according to Haggai. Holiness is not. So you, you know, you have to engage with the world around us in such a way that they open themselves to what God wants to do in their life through you without allowing your heart to be infected by their views of life and reality. And so basically, the love of God is the way you do that. You love people. That means you be willing to give time to them and help and encouragement and where possible commentary from the Word. You can't force it down anyone's throat, so... You know, we're not being told that you have to go preach to them. Now, some people are called to do that. Stand on a street corner, uh, confrontational evangelism, just, uh, you know, and there's an anointing to do that. You try to do it without the anointing, it might not work out too well. Uh, So you do need to understand, you know, your gifting and how you're called in that regard. Uh, But basically... What I want to uh, speak for just a moment about is the conscious, deliberately cultivated awareness of the people around you, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, uh, and the development of strategies where you can engage with them and engage in such a way that at the outset, it's just your life that is a written epistle, they're going to see the way you live, what your priorities are, as you interact with them, opportunities to, uh, to share principles of the Word. Maybe they don't even know it's from the Word, but principles of life uh, as you build a relationship and the trust level grows a little bit, you can speak more into their life. And it is loving them that <clears throat> is the magnet. 
when they realize you're, <coughs> excuse me, when they realize you're not after anything, you're simply interested in them. Uh, you're talking about them. You're listening to them. You're seeing ways you can help them and their challenges. And, you know, that begins to bring the walls down. And then God can use you in miraculous ways to bring transformation to bear in their life. But these things don't happen accidentally. That's why we have to become of such a mind to sit down and actually let God help us develop a strategy to reach the people that we're in contact with. You're not in contact with them by coincidence. And you have something that they need. And God will help you devise a strategy for approaching every individual. I mean, there's some that you'll get real big on your heart right out of the box. You just, you just know that, uh, you know, this is something you're to do. Others may be more casual in the outset, but as they watch you live your life and you interact with them, uh, you'll have more and more opportunity. Uh, if you're not uh, thinking this way, there's one other way you need to be thinking, uh, because it isn't like God's telling you that you've got to personally win all of these, these unbelievers you're around to the Lord and then mentor or disciple them. Uh, he's not telling us that in the Bible. Uh, he says, as a matter of fact, we're to go into the highways, the byways, the hedgerows, and bring them into church, bring them into his house. So one of the most effective ways of evangelizing or actually changing a community around you is to get them into church. A lot of people, you know, uh, may resist being told they need to be saved or they're going to hell. Uh, but, you know, if there's a good program going on at a local church over here or Christmas concert or there's some cool guest minister in town that, uh, you know, your friend, their, fr their new friend, you, uh, is excited about, maybe they'll go to church. It's a lot less... Uh, intimidating or threatening than having to look somebody in the eye who's telling you you're on your way to hell. Uh, it's, just, it's just oftentimes an often overlooked thrust that we need to have a strategy for, uh, to develop a relationship to a point uh, where you can say to somebody, hey, look, why don't we get together after church and, and go to lunch? As a matter of fact, you can come to church with me. We've got a real cool song service that I think you'll like. And, you know, the preacher's got funny jokes and you will enjoy it. <laughs> oh, no, you don't want to lie to them. But basically, uh, you know, there are ways that this can be a normal progression in your life. There, there are people in the church now that actually... You know, they think this way. They have goals every year for how many people they're going to get in church or pray with uh, to receive the Lord. And they develop strategies to do that. You know, I think we had one family one year that, that brought in something like 62 other families in one year's time. Absolutely amazing.
But this is the result of giving the Lord an opportunity to help you develop this kind of strategy. So when we're talking about relationships with the world around us, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, the things that Jim has shown you, uh, our out community outreaches and whatnot, uh, are really significant to me because our Jerusalem, the most immediate responsibility we have is Minneapolis. Uh, we're going to continue reaching beyond Minneapolis into as many other places as we can. Uh, you don't hear about these things being part of our vision and, you know, financial vision or goals or objectives because we incorporate most of those costs into our operating budget. They're already taken care of because we're going to do them whether anybody you know, feels led to give to it or not, they're going to get done anyway. You know, we give anywhere from, you know, one and a quarter, one and a half to two million to two and a half million a year to reaching out and uh, supporting other ministries that are doing things we can't do. Uh, that happens every year. And it's going to happen whether... It's part of our vision goal or not. But for our community, our Jerusalem, we usually do have a couple of major projects that are over and above giving, meaning over and above the tithe. As you know, the tithe is to be the source of general income for the operation of the local church. Now, if we're going to go beyond what our operating budget can do, Special projects, whatnot, you know, vision campaigns are intended to illuminate the projects that God has put on our heart and encourage your involvement and over and above giving to enable those projects. Uh, we have two uh, outreach projects, again, some of them are ongoing, uh, but, you know, for the coming year that, that, is intended to hit our community. And the first of those is our Winner's Minute. Um, that has been going on for quite a while, but it is hugely impactful in our community, more so than I ever thought. Did you see the figure? 10 million people viewed the Winner's Minute last year, one year, I mean, that is rather remarkable. 10 million people have heard the word, and this is a secular audience. This isn't targeted at Christians or the church. And, you know, the way the Lord told me to devise it all those years ago was to take principle from the word of God. Don't get up there and say, well, in chapter so-and-so, verse, number, whatever, the Bible says, no, just share principle. And most of the time, people don't even realize it comes from the Word. But, you know, 10 million people have gotten the Word of God last year because of your investment in the Winner's Minute. Lots of people have sponsored minutes throughout the year, and I want to thank you for that because it is one of the major platforms the Lord has given us 
uh, to reach our Jerusalem. It does go beyond Jerusalem into Judea, or you could say the state of Minnesota and a little bit beyond. Uh, but we're, we'll be continuing that into 2021, of course. Uh, we have some new contracts and uh, uh, time slots that, you know, I think uh, I'm excited about. And um, right now for 2020, we still have about $82,000 that's needed to finish out uh, 2020. And Every year it always comes in before the end of the year. I expect that will occur uh, this year as well. And I thank you for that in advance. Uh, the cost of doing the Winner's Minute for 2021 will be slightly less than $300,000. And we'll just keep it in a round number, $300,000. And um, so I would like you to prayerfully consider continuing your involvement, or if you've not been involved, becoming involved in, in enabling the Winner's Minute to continue reaching. That's a huge number of folks to continue reaching these people in our city. Now you might be thinking, we don't have 10 million people in Minneapolis. Well, that just means a lot of people watch it every week or, you know, every day. And, um, and so basically, um, that's the first part of Vision 2021, uh, 300,000 to continue the Winner's Minute. The second part is a uh, resumption of a vision that we had last year, but that COVID scratched. And that was the planting of a third campus, uh, another church a campus church in Edina, Minnesota. And the contract is still available to us and a beautiful facility at the Performing Arts Center in Edina. And, uh, you know, as you may recall from last year, I have this, th this thing that I can only say the Lord put in me about doing it as a hologram. I'm not going to be planning any other live pastors and any other campuses in the foreseeable future. The two that we have now, Northwest and St. Paul, have both got a dedicated pulpit ministry. Uh, most of the churches that plant other campuses do so by streaming the main campus into those locations, and there being a host pastor and a praise and worship team, but the preaching is streamed in from, from the, uh, the main campus. And uh, that's what I would intend doing in Edina. But rather than just having screens, uh, I want to do a hologram. And, you know, it's where, uh, you, I bet you didn't realize this isn't the real me. This is a hologram. <laughs> I mean, it's that real, Right? It really is. I mean, I, we've, we've demoed uh, some of the technology here last year in preparation for putting the Adina campus in, and it's remarkable technology because it's set up and done in a way that I'm just walking around on the platform, even though I'm up here, looks like I'm down there. And it's interactive. You know, there'll be a screen for me to be able to look at and see the congregation down there and 
you know, talk to them if I want to, or point out this woman in the green dress, the Lord said unto you, wake up, or whatever the case may be. Uh, so, you know, it's fascinating technology. And I think just that fact will draw people to see what it's like. Uh, you know, but then the, the, you know, the key, of course, is in order to check out this new technology, because it's not anywhere else in a regular church utilization like this. Uh, so to check it out, they have to come sit under the Word. And the Word gets in their heart, and then, you know, then they're connected. And so to do... Uh, that campus and the hologram, uh, we're going to say $600,000 because I decided, unlike last year, last year I said nine hundred, and the reason was we had $300,000 worth of operating costs to cover the first year. But the reason I'm not going to include that in our vision for 2021 is I have learned from the other two campuses we planted that uh, real quickly, out of the box. They generate enough income just where they are uh, to cover rental costs and staffing costs and whatnot. So the 600000 includes the technology required, all of the equipping, staging, uh, transportation, buses, all of these mics, you know, everything that goes into making that happen totals 600000 so the outreach segment of Vision 2021, even though we're all over the world, as you saw, that's included in our operating budget. The special projects for outreach uh, for 2021 are the continuation of the Winner's Minute and the establishment of a new campus in Edina. So next Sunday... I'm going to put all of these little pieces together financially for Vision 2021, family, all of the infrastructure changes that will enable us to enhance, you know, uh, relationships from family to the church body, uh, the things that I've just mentioned. We'll put it all together uh, as our financial objectives, the financial definition, I should say, of our vision for 2021, and then talk a little bit about commitment. And I know the place will be totally packed out. Everybody loves to hear about commitment. It is such a, uh, you know, a wonderfully exciting revelation. And, uh, you know, truthfully, the uncommitted life is a life of failure. You just need to commit to the right things. A lot of people, you look at them and you think they're committed to the wrong things. And things aren't working out very well. And then there's a whole other group that doesn't want to be committed to anything. And that's a problem in America right now. Uh, but, you know, we're going to talk about commitment, what the Bible says about meaningful commitment, uh, in terms of succeeding in your commitments uh, and in terms of moving your life down the path of God's blessing. So you don't want to miss next Sunday. Uh, we'll, we'll enjoy that time together and we'll get excited about 2021. Going to be a banner year. Amen. <laughs>